0: Alright, I'm just going to quickly shout out Victoria, because she told me that I'm not allowed to shout her out anymore, she hasn't been here for a month, so glad you shout me out every week, so I'm just going to start that way so I don't have to do it anymore. Alright, um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I was going to talk about this morning, we've kind of already like hit haunt in many ways, um, but I want to just begin by reading James chapter 1 verses 2 through 5 I think it kind of sums up in some ways what we we're talking about. James 1 says this, Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That perseverance finishes its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, should ask God give generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you I wonder how often do we rest in that piece where it says um, let perseverance finish its work and very quickly as we think about trials we think about struggles like we want to like bounce out of them as quick as possible we want to get me out of here remove this change my circumstances the last couple of weeks we've been discussing um, the topic of discipleship through the lens of parenting, um, and uh, sorry, last week, uh, if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, I incorrectly plugged something in and so there's no recording, so don't blame that on Devin if that up there is me. Um, and the plan was really for that one to be the end of our parenting series, but as more as I thought about this this week... Um, um, before we jump into our next series, which maybe you'll be excited about, I don't know, um, we're going to cover the seven churches in Revelation, so we're going to be in Revelation for the next eight or nine weeks together. Um, I'm not going to do the whole entire book, but we'll do some overview and then we'll talk about the seven churches from the beginning. Um, so before we jump into that, I, I was thinking about this idea of, of all the things we've talked about in the, as we think about discipleship and, and, and parenting. Um, but I wanna talk this morning about living in the joy, living in joy in the midst of discipleship, living in joy in the midst of parenting. But I think if we're honest, um, the role of discipling others, the role of parenting, joy is probably not the first word that comes to our mind. Right, like uh, words maybe like hard, parenting is hard, or discipling others is hard. Um, maybe, maybe we think um, it's frustrating, Maybe sacrificial is a word, tiring, draining, overwhelming, um, physically and emotionally. I think those are kind of the words that we kind of would say as we think about putting those two things together. So I want to kind of ask this question to start. What are things that you think about, you think about parenting, you think about discipling others, that bring you joy? What are some things that bring you joy? Okay, seeing someone grow in their love of Christ. Okay, good, what else? And when the kids actually care well for one another and love each other and and actually live like the family that you want them to be. Yeah, okay? Like the best thing ever. Yeah, good, what else? What I'm looking for. Yes. The stuff that you've been working on, they actually live it out. Okay? Good. Yeah. What else? Yeah. They finally understand it and you can see the change that's going on inside of them. Yeah, Good. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they they do something else and they weren't able to do before. Now they can do it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so those that we're discipling or our kids teach us something about God and remind us and all this stuff. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Anything else to think of? I was kind of thinking through those things this week. I was thinking about and maybe this even just kind of what you guys are talking about. A lot of them are like the result or the action of like doing the work. And I think if you look at James, what God is calling us to in James is actually to find joy not in just like the end product or, or what happens out of that, but like to find joy in the midst of it. Find joy in the midst of the hard, tiring struggle of of your of parenting your kids or growing um, whoever you're discipling. Um, and, and discipling is really just growing your faith in in, in understanding um, and walking in God's ways. I, need to, I think we need to ask that this morning as we think about our own lives, that do we find joy in the midst, in the hard times, not just in the results? Because the reality is, is that it is hard, right, like discipling others, parenting people is hard. There's going to be plenty of struggles in it, there's going to be a lot of pain in it, there's going to be a lot of loss in it, um, we know that from our own experiences. We know that from what we see um, Jesus' experience, he disciples, people in Scripture. We, we see that in, in, in Scripture from others that are disciple-makers in the Bible that there's going to be a lot of hard times and struggle um, in the midst of that, yet we're called to live in joy in that. I, th- I think it's really what the whole book of Philippians is about. We did a series on that uh, last year sometime. I don't know when that was, but... Um, so Paul is writing that book um, from jail. The whole book is is really a book about joy, and Paul's writing it from jail. And I, I wonder, I think sometimes if we're honest, if we think as parents that we feel like we're in jail, right? Like I've got this kid strapped to me or chained to me now, right? Like I can't really do all the things that I wanted to do anymore. I gotta I gotta do these different things. Yes, my kids are like they're in jail. Sorry, I called you out again. Sorry. Um, maybe it's just like, you know, like, alright, well it's an 18 to 20 year sentence and then I'm gonna get some parole. Right? Like I'm gonna get these kids and then I'm like bouncing out and like, we feel like we're in jail at times. Uh, I think it's interesting that Paul is really writing this book about joy, um, and, and in, 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 in verse 12 of chapter 1, this is what he says. He says this, I want you to know brothers, That what has happened to me, him being in jail, has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. You think about your jail sentence like that. That the thing that you're in the midst of is, has a, has a, has a different purpose. I think as you look at Paul, he has a very different outlook on his circumstances, that's going around. He sees it as a good thing. Why? Because he has he has kingdom eyes. He has he's viewing his circumstances around him um, as, 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 with the mind of being a disciple of Jesus, and with the, the mind of, of being a disciple who's making other disciples. Now, I think we need to, to think about that as parents, as you lead the kids, as a missional community, as you lead those that are in that, um, as you lead those that are in your workplace or your classmates or, or whatever else, do you see yourself as a disciple of Jesus in the midst of that and the disciple of Jesus is making other disciples? See, when you're a disciple of someone else, you're not really going to be seeking your own glory. You're seeking the glory of that disciple, of who you, whoever you're a disciple, whoever you're following. This is true in every area of life. Who... Who you think is is the most important? Who do you think is is the most deserving of glory? Will dictate how you view the things that are going on around you. If if you're deserving of honor, right, as a parent, if you're de- if you're the one that you're just a disciple of yourself, if you're the one that is deserving of honor, you're going to be quick to compare the things you used to have to the things you have now, or the things you see that other people are getting to do that you're not getting to do anymore, or the things that you have or you, receive, you may live being discontent, or you may be anxious. or um, it, it, It's all these things that result in the lack of joy in life. But when we live as a disciple of someone else, um, we're, we're quick to serve. We're quick to follow whatever it is that would take place so that, so that that person that we're a disciple of, we would bring honor to them in their life. And I think as as parents and as disciple-makers, you really need to consider who in your heart and who in your life is actually saying that you are a disciple of the most. Who are you honoring the most with your life as you think about parenting, as you think about discipling others? Is it yourself? Your spouse? Your kids? I think there's so many parents fall into this this category Evident by the way that they live, um, that they're actually a disciple of their children, that parents are actually a disciple of their kids. I I get to stand out here, um, with the next doorway, the one that's all gated up uh, on every day. Sometimes and I stand there with the principal and I greet people in sometimes and I uh, haven't really done it too much this past week, but um, as people are bringing in their kids, um, I can very quickly you can you find out who's the one in charge in that relationship. It is, like, blatant. It is out there. Um, and you and can see very quickly who's leading. Sometimes these parents actually bring their kids before they even get into school, like, to the principal, because they have not yet learned how to tell... They know. They're their own child. And it happens all the time. And I think, you know, like, those are, like, big examples. And they've, they've never learned to actually teach that child who they're they're disciple of. And I think oftentimes... We make, that's maybe a bigger example, but we can live that way with our children. And our life revolves around them. And they have a higher weight in everything that's going on in our life than Jesus. Uh, I think the same thing as we disciple others. If the person that we're discipling, we, oh, we don't want to say that to them, I'm afraid of this, of what they may think, um, mm-hmm. we have a higher opinion of them and they, we honor them more than we honor you. Mm-hmm. I think this fluctuates at different times. We flop around with, but I want to remind us this morning, whoever we pay the most honor to is who you're a disciple of, you're a disciple of, and the truth and the reality is that Jesus is the only person worth being a disciple of. The life that Jesus lived demonstrated what it looked like to give honor um, all the time in all things, and his death. And his new life now gives us the life and power and the motivation to live as his disciples. He's the only one worth following today. His opinion is the only one that actually matters. I think it's exactly how Paul is say this in this entire book, In the Midst of Jail. He's saying, this is a good thing because as I look around my circumstances... And my circumstances are actually bringing Jesus more honor because I'm getting to talk to more people about Jesus that I never would have got to talk to. So he's looking at, at these things and, and it, it, it causes the emotion of joy to well up in his soul because he's not focused on the pain or the struggle, but rather on the advancement and the honor of, of Jesus who's a disciple of See, I think until we, we find our life living as a disciple of Jesus, we make other disciples of Jesus, we're never going to walk in joy in the midst of the things that are going on. We'll only find joy with the result and with the actions of what happens. So we find that Jesus is the one we're disciple of, but we'll never find joy in the middle of that. When we think about joy, um, the way that God describes joy, is it's way bigger than just a feeling or, or happiness or, or some pleasure in your life. Joy is something that's in your soul. It's something that's in the innermost part of who you are. Joy, joy is not just a feeling. It's not just an idea or a conviction. It's something. It's not something that you can just decide to have. See the difference between something you can you can decide and an emotion is you really don't have immediate control over your emotions. Right? Like if, if something jumps out on you and, and scares you, like you you can't control those emotions. All of a sudden you're like. It comes out of you. You jump back, you scream, whatever that may be. You can't just snap your fingers and, and, and decide to feel something deeply emotionally. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna be joyful right now. Just like say that and then I can do it. Just like say these five things and then I'm gonna do it. That, it doesn't work that way. These chants and mantras are not gonna work for us. Joy is something that comes out of your soul the immaterial part of your person that experiences joy. The rest of your body may, may experience some effects of that joy. They may get butterflies in your stomach or you may have a spring in your step or whatever that may be. It may be tears that roll down your face because you're so joyful in what's happening in the life of people that you're, that you're, that you're discipling. But they're distinct. Those, those pieces are, are distinct from true joy. In the Bible, many places, God calls us to have joy. But joy, like other things that God calls us to, are not something that are actually in our control. They're, they're immediately outside of His control. Joy is not something that you can just produce in your life. In Galatians 5, joy is actually talked about as a fruit of the Spirit. It's a, it's a product of the Spirit, which tells us that it's way more than just happiness, or cheerfulness, um, or a smile on your face. The joy is an emotion that is only produced through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not something that you can obtain on yourself without God. That real joy outside of Jesus is impossible. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can muster up to do. I, I think when you think about this idea um, that... Um, but as, as, God does this for us, doesn't just like flip a switch often. He allows us to walk in the midst of things. Many of you were saying that. CJ talked about that a little bit. The piece of where like, in the midst of those things, God is producing something in you and He's reminding you and He's teaching you who He is. And it doesn't just happen instantly. That you, that you just rejoice all of a sudden in the midst of like, someone beating you down. It doesn't just happen that way. But the Holy Spirit is actually given, um, according to John 16, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Which means that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of my heart to see the beauty of Jesus in the midst of what's going on. not changing those things automatically. When I see that Jesus is in it and that He's with us and that He's walking alongside us, that, that then that's when He changes my heart and my soul that that joy is actually drawn out towards Him. The Holy Spirit bears that fruit of joy in the midst of things by causing us to see the beauty of Jesus in the midst of that. See, this this idea is that the Spirit gives us the eyes to see how beautiful Jesus is. And that causes joy in our hearts. we get to see this in His Word, we get to see this in His gifts that He gives us, and we get to see this in community, in others in our neighborhood, in the world around us, that that everything that God gives us and puts in our life is actually a gift. He tended to be communicating something about Himself to us. And the more we see these things, the more uh, as opportunities to grow as His disciples, the more the emotion of joy will allow you to walk in the midst of the hard times. I think... um, I want to flip on one other part in Philippians. Uh, Amy, you kind of mentioned this uh, in yours. In Philippians one eighteen, it says this. I think it's up there. Um, what then? Only that in every way, whatever in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. The good news of that is that even when we are like not great parents, or we're not very good disciple makers, or um, or, or we do it with the wrong motives, or the wrong heart behind it, and, or, or, or who we're actually being a disciple of in that moment. What Paul is telling us is, is outside of that, Jesus' is being being proclaimed is not dependent on you and me. Jesus' honor is not dependent on how well you live your life out, or how well you disciple others, or how well you parent someone. Or, or how we disciple as a church. His, his honor is not based on that. Just like your and my value is not based on what we do, Jesus' value is not based on what we do either. You can't take away or add to Jesus' honor. It's already secured in who he is, and his worth is not based on how well we live that out. Or how well we find joy in the midst of hard times. He's already received the honest ire the highest honor, and His name is above all other names, and it's not dependent on how well we reflect that name. Which what that means is that in the midst of those things, we're now free to live in His way without the weight of having to succeed. Or without the weight of having to say, these results have to happen or else I won't have joy. Or we, don't, we won't have to live in, in the weight of, of, of complaining about how well we're not... Doing it, or how well someone else, or how someone else is doing it, you get to allow him to define success based on how he takes even our broken attempts to parent or our broken attempts to disciple other people, um, and bring honor to himself in the midst of that. You know, today is, is celebrating Sunday, and as I think about celebrating, really, celebration is really a reflection of joy reflection of joy. Well, we, we have this, this idea, we talked about this in the past, but we, we should be the most celebratory people on the planet. We have the most to celebrate of any people that walk this planet because because God has now changed us and called us into His family. So we get to throw the best parties, we get to throw the best celebrations as the family of God because we have the most to be joyful about. See, as a family of God, if we never celebrate together... You never celebrate. Something is wrong because you've missed out on what God has changed in the heart, and so the joy causes us to celebrate. I think as you think about parenting, um, if as a family you never lead your family to celebrate and together to praise God, something is probably missing. If as those that you are discipling, whether that's in your missional community or in your workplace, if you never lead them to celebrate in joy. Um, Forgotten about the grace of God. because Jesus loves us so much. He's given us so much grace. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, Scripture says, in the heavenly realm. So now, even in sorrow and in difficult times, we can still have joy because we know that all of the things that we have been blessed with. And it doesn't just end with thinking about that as an eternity thing, but we get to experience those things now. So as hard and as tiring and as struggle that it may be, we know that that's not going to be how it ends. And we know that Christ is walking with us in the midst of us, in the midst of those things, and He's teaching us and He's reminding us who He is. So until that time, we get to, until He comes back, we get to image Jesus by serving those who we disciple and enjoy. Serving in, in discipleship and serving in parenting is really imaging Jesus well. It's it's being a disciple of Jesus because that's what he, that's what Jesus is. In John 13, we see that that we see that, that the disciples are celebrating the Passover with Jesus. And there's a job that that no one wants to do: cleaning up the dirty, stinky feet with like cow poop and horse poop on them that they've been walking around all day. And Jesus takes off his outer clothes. And he lay, lets down and he gets down in the mess and he serves in his strength for And then he follows that up by going to the cross. He goes from there to the cross and becomes the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate act of service as he serves people in the midst of his peace. And Hebrews 12 tells us this, it says, And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, mourning its shame, and sat down at the right hand in the throne of God. But Jesus walked through the most difficult things ever the most tiring role ever in joy. Because he had you and me in mind as he was being. And he endured the cross with joy so that the ultimate parent child relationship might now be restored. And that now through that we get to be adopted into his family and we get to lead other kids to him. We get to we get to be a disciple of him and we get to lead other people to meet our dad. Because as a disciple of Jesus, you get the greatest joy in doing that. And then as, as we transition and go to the communion table, that's what we're celebrating. At The, the communion table it is a celebration. It's a celebration of His goodness and of His grace, and it's a reminder of our need of that. So as we dip the bread in there and in, in the cup, we, we we're reminded that we're just like Judas. Right? I was talking to Chris this week, and... You know, like someone told them about this, they were thought of like Judas in the cup. I have to think about that. But it is a reality, right? When we dip the bread in that cup, we're being reminded that we were just like Judas. That we betray Jesus every day. That we're in great need of Jesus changing our heart and, 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 and calling us back into that. And as we do that, we celebrate the goodness of His grace for us. Celebrate that He's now made us His disciples. And we don't have to walk through the hard struggles on our own. But He's in the midst of those teaching us and calling us to. And out of that, we celebrate and we bring great joy into those things. And so I'm going to stop and we're just going to pray. And then we're going to go to the table and we're going to celebrate together. And I'll sing another song and then we'll eat eat together. And continue in celebrating um, the things of joy. And as we celebrated this morning, often those things that we shared wouldn't necessarily be things that most of the world would say these are things to celebrate over. We get to celebrate even the hard struggles of life and the things that God is teaching us and pursuing us in because he's a good God that loves us. So Father, we thank you that that you send Jesus. We thank you that you remind us in the midst of these things, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of parenting, that even though at times it may seem like we're in jail, That you are pursuing us in that and that you have a plan and a purpose and that, that like James says, that, that we persevere because we know that, that you're calling us into faith and you're calling us, you're growing our understanding of you. So Lord, I pray as a family that you would remind us that you are the only disciple to follow, that you are the only one worth following, but I pray that, that you would change our hearts so that we don't that we don't become disciples of anyone else except for you. But I pray that you would call us to that, that you would lead us to see Jesus, that as we go to the communion table, that you remind us of that, remind us of your goodness, that your body was broken and your blood was poured out, so that we once again to be restored in the right relationship with you, and that we could be in your family and be called the adopted children of God. So we thank you for the good news of that this morning. Say that you would remind our hearts of that in each moment of the day that we can continue.